we started teaching a series a while back. We're about three weeks into it called Reality Checks. And the reason we're teaching on this is that, you know, maybe some of us have been around the things of the Holy Ghost a long time. Um, other folks haven't been, and maybe some of us are old school, and we were brought up with some pretty f awesome foundational truths, and, and maybe we had some good parenting, and we just understand how life works, and we're willing to work it. But a lot of folks don't have that. I uh, was at a, having some blood work done today for my annual physical, so I got to talking to the phlebotomist, and we were just chatting things up, and um, she, uh, she has a son who's in his 20s and then a, a daughter who's 13, 12 or 13, and she said, she said I, I'm just shocked at how much public school has changed between the time my son was there, he's 23, and by all my daughter's there at 13. She said, in just 10 years, the world is radically different. This was her observation of public school. And so even though maybe some of us are older and we've been around the things of God longer and we maybe we were raised in the 70s and 80s, we had great foundation. We're dealing with a whole new set of people who weren't afforded the stability we were given through common sense. If you hadn't noticed, common sense is a commodity more rare than slave cobalt. Slave cobalt, you know what that is, right? Cobalt's what it takes to make electric cars. They just use slaves in Africa to dig it out. in DRC, children. So the Chinese, we're not against the Chinese, just the communists. The Chinese who run the companies have to use African slave labor. Does this sound familiar to you? To dig out cobalt, a rare earth metal, out of DRC so that you can feel good about saving the planet. Did you wake up yet? You woke? So which is it? You gonna save a planet or are you against slavery? Because you can't have both. And by the way, there's nothing green about electric cars. I worked in the mining industry. And they just have batteries. And batteries only store energy. They don't make it. So how are you making it? If you want to say hydroelectric, do you really want to silt up all those rivers? Because that, that happens. That's an environmental issue. Are you against nuclear? Are you afraid of that? <laughs> how about coal? Uh, we're not living in Iceland. You can't drill down 20,000 feet and tap into a magma body and produce infinite geothermal. So it's dirty somewhere, but there's nothing green about an electric car. And then what happens when the battery's dead? When I was in geology, we were worried about environmental crises like landfill overflow. Nobody talks about landfill overflows now. So where do we start disposing of everybody's uh, lithium-ion batteries? if they don't blow up first. And what happens with a landfill full of lithium-ion batteries? Do they blow up? And if so, do they burn to the Earth's core? But no, I just want my electric car that says free Tibet and I love marks because I'm a woke kid with a master's degree commanding the government to pay off my student loans. But today I'm a binary pansexual midget who identifies as a unicorn. There's got to be some free government money attached to that somewhere. <laughs> anyway. Honestly, dealing with today's college kids is like dunking on five-year-olds. 
So why am I teaching on the basics? Because today's college kids are like dunking on five-year-olds. <laughs> it's like wrestling with your boy when you're 45, trained in jujitsu, and he just squeals. That's like dealing with today's intellectuals. It's that easy. It's just that shameful. And they're paying 50 grand a year to get that kind of stupid education. Amen. Anyway, so we're having reality checks because we've got to bring us up to some speed on some things. And hopefully the next generation will learn this and communicate it and communicate it on. So we're talking, or going to begin to talk, about being a man. And uh, we're not going to go the whole biology because to me it's pretty simple. If your gonads hang on the outside, you're a man. But then again, do college kids even know what gonads are? Just <laughs> give you biology, you know, when they're male gonads, they're called testes. When they're female gonads, they're called ovaries. This is very simple. I played. Never mind, I can't go there. I can't. <laughs> I don't have pride. Yeah, I can get away with a lot. The Lord will give me permission, but I also know, no, don't go there. I'll grieve them and I'll make you chuckle, but I'll have to repent. So we're not talking about gender confusion. We're just talking about what it means to be a mature man because we don't have that anymore. Fewer, fewer and further in between. But the reason we don't have men anymore is because we don't have parenting anymore. And so then God forbid, what will the next generation of children look like when this generation is as goofy and as weird and confused as it is? So we see the all-out assault and degradation of culture. Uh, the foundation of civilization is family. But have you noticed the West is so anti-family unless it's a parody family, unless it's uh, I'm marrying a robot or a dog or a tree or myself, or somebody sent me an article today about a Japanese guy who just married a fictional character uh, um, because it looks like a giant anime robot. And no joke, it, the article said he married this fictional robot character and now he's having trouble because he can't relate. <laughs> <laughs> they, they, they can't, he's having trouble bonding. He's having trouble bonding. And I made the joke back on our little text chat. Well, this may be because she doesn't communicate well. And <laughs> well, she's a giant anime doll. Those Japanese do some weird stuff. But then again, so do the Americans. What's the next generation going to be like? Our, our families are under attack. So when we start to talk about what it is to be a man... And it isn't some grown adult pounding his chest saying, look at me, I'm a man, I'm a man. Most men who have to flex and show off are really very insecure. When they have to flex and show off, uh, usually it's in a pact because there's safety in numbers. But if you get them alone, they have trouble making eye contact. That's an insecure man. They're strong in packs, just like homosexuals are. Motorcycle guys are strong in packs, just like homosexuals are. Frat boys are strong in packs, just like homosexuals are. Gangbangers. I grew up in Seattle in the height of the gangbanging. They're strong in packs, just like homosexuals are. There's a strength to a pack. These aren't real men. When you've got to run in packs and alone, you can't even make eye contact and you go home insecure. Real men are confident because they've been developed and they've been trained. They don't, they're not crippled by insecurity. And I'm getting ahead of myself, but real men are not muscular. It's not about being burly. It's not about having a big beard. It's about having a confidence and knowing what your existence and purpose is for. 
that has to be taught to you. If it's not taught to you by a mom and a dad, it has to be taught to you later. Otherwise, your life never fulfills its fullness. I talk about um, formative discipleship, which takes place in the home. And if mom and dad don't do a proper job, thankfully, there is what I see in the scriptures as reparative discipleship. And that's what happens when you start to walk with Christ on your own. And you realize mama never put this in me. Daddy never put this in me. Or I was abused and this was taken out of me. So there are formative discipleship years that we ought to maximize when our kids are from zero to 13. And then if something's messed up after that, we can repair it. But it's going to be a little bit harder. But that's all right. There's always something to repair. Even in the best of homes, there's something to repair formative and reparative discipleship. Uh, real men, they know their purpose and there's a confidence about them. If you don't have it, you can get some. We're dealing with a whole generation of men or boys. I don't know what to call them. Just because you have hair on your body doesn't make you a man. When you have trouble making eye contact and socializing, you're not really a man. When you live in your mama's basement, you're not really a man. When most of your socializing is done through electronic devices, you're not really a grown-up. We're trying to repair this in today's society because men were created to change the world for the gospel. There's a reason why since the end of Leave it to Beaver, all of our sitcoms make men look like the morons. All of our sitcoms, the women are the smarter, the better. They run the family. He has awesome ideas. My husband does when I give them to him. You know, we know the expression, uh, basically, it used to be behind every great man, there's an even greater woman, which I believe in because great men need great women supporting them and helping them and encouraging them behind the scenes. But now that this mindset is behind every great man, there's a woman pulling the strings. And so we've seen the denigration. And so sometime in the 2000s, we went from bashing men to just eliminating them altogether. And it's all female power. You know, Charlie's Angels, especially the ones that came out in 2000, was all about showing women being uh, action figures and action stars. And everybody wanted to be there in their action role. And my wife, you know, we'll watch one of those movies from time to time. And my wife says, that's so stupid. No woman can take a kick to the face like that from a grown man. <laughs> None. But it's daydreaming and it makes that woman feel like she's empowered. And they still can't pass the pull-up test in the Marine Corps. But that's all right. They're not supposed to. Amen. If you don't get the training you need, if there's a cowardice in you, you can fulfill part of your destiny, but not the fullness of it. Right now, I'm doing a Bible study with my daughters on Deborah. And I'm learning things about Deborah and Barack I've never learned or seen before because I'm walking it through at my children's level line upon line as we read through the story, just really two chapters. But one of the things Deborah tells Barack, basically, because you're a coward and you're just now getting with the program, God's going to use you to defeat Sisera and his army, but the honor of killing Sisera will not go to you because you're just now getting with the program. It's going to go to a woman. That's what Deborah prophesies to Barack. So Barak finally musters up the courage to obey God. And they go and they're successful. And, and they rout Sisera's army and they flee. But Sisera runs away and he finds himself in Jael's tent. Jael is a woman. She's the wife of Hobart, which is a descendant of Moses' family. And Jael gives him milk and he falls asleep, gives him yogurt. He gets sleepy. And the modern translation brings it out better. King James reads like she takes a tent spike 
and drives it into a skull. But the modern translation says, she crushed his head with a hammer and then she drove a spike through his head. Because I'm sure if that spike's not sharp enough, you might just wake up an angry warrior. So the modern translation that's in my kids' children's Bible, it says, (laughs) she crushed his head with a hammer and drove the spike through his head. That would make more sense anyway. Just crack him really good to to kill the general and then drive the spike through his head to make sure he doesn't wake up with a nasty headache. So she kills Sisera, fulfilling what should have been the man's honor, but he took too long to find his courage. So then the next chapter goes on. It's called the Song of Barak and Deborah. And it's a wonderful prophecy. It's hard to believe it's a song of praise and worship because it talks about military destruction, warfare, and crime. Chris Tomlin doesn't write songs like that. (laughs) He writes songs about good, good father. It's who you are. And Barak and Deborah write songs about killing enemies because that's who they were. So it goes on to say, and I found this interesting. I was just seeing this last night. In the song of Barak and Deborah, Judges chapter 5, it says, in the days of Shamgar and in the days of Jael. It doesn't say the days of Barak. In the days of Shamgar, which was one of the first judges, he killed several hundred with an uh, ox goad. And in the days of Jael, Israel was so depressed, they would not travel in the open roads, they would travel in the back roads. But what I caught was the time of Barak is not referred to as the time of Barak. It's referred to as the time of Jael, the woman who killed the enemy, though she wasn't the judge. The honor didn't go to Barak. Like Deborah said, the honor went to a woman because the man did not find his courage. Not till it was too late. This is just a story that confirms what I teach around here, that you can have a destiny, it just may be second class. And so we don't know Barak as anything but the guy who barely went to war after a woman encouraged him. Thank God for Deborah. But he's not known as defining that age. The courage of Jael defines the age. But that shouldn't be. We need courageous women who aren't afraid to take a hammer to the enemy but we need courageous men first. What our modern generation in the West has done has emasculated men, and everybody's commented on it. Even now, the liberals and the progressives are saying the reason we don't have any good men is we've spent the last 30 years castrating them in the media. And some of us are a product of that. This is also why you got to be careful that you don't make your boys mama's boys. And this is also why you don't marry a mama's boy, because those apron strings can go right into your bedroom, and it gets real weird. Don't let your, your boys be mama's boys. You cut those apron strings. And you, you single girls, uh, when you start looking, you make sure he's not a mama's boy because you don't want mama telling you how to run your house. Because if he's a man, he leaves mother and father and cleaves to his wife. You don't want him uh, halt between two decisions. I asked one guy, who are you married to, your wife or your mama? Because I can't tell sometimes. Just because you got hair on your face doesn't mean you're not a boy. Weirdo. That's weird. Why do you call it weird? Because it is weird, and you need to know that it's weird. Your mom is not your best friend. And why does she have a say in your marriage anyway, you coward? Amen. Amen. So when we're dealing with being a man, the reality check of being a man, the root foundational truth behind being a man is summed up in maybe three words. Stewardship of authority. To be able to be a man, 
you have to have learned the stewardship of authority. Now, women have authority too, but this is different. We'll deal with them in a few weeks when we go into the reality checks of women. But to understand the concept of the reality check or the reality check of, of the stewardship of authority, we've got to understand authority. And we're going to see how God set this thing up because anything we start to say about men, any problem men have, any success men have, any failures men have is going to be rooted in their ability to steward or not steward authority delegated to them. The whole of the kingdom, once you're born again, rises and falls on your ability to do what you've been authorized to do. And so I want to say a few things about authority that should help you. And this will help women, whether you're married or single um, or, or a widow, because these are just truths that, that transcend male or female anatomy or gender. Genesis chapter 1 is where I ask you to turn. Let, let's read there. From the very beginning, man was created, and that is male and female, but man was created to exercise dominion and authority in the earth. So Genesis 1.26, let's look at the first verse. We're going to look at a couple verses tonight and lay a foundation of the reality check. If you wonder why I look like a hippie geologist professor, it's because I didn't want to wear a suit today, so I brought got my African clothing out. I felt so good after wearing Nigerian clothing. Sunday night, I said, I'm going to go Congolese tonight because I got to thinking about Pastor Jean-Marie and he got this for me because some of you have never seen me wear not a suit and it's hard on your heart. <laughs> the Africans don't mind. I look very smart to them, not intelligent. Smart in the British sense means sharp. Not in the knife sense, but in the sporty sense, but not in the athletic sense. You see how our English language is horrible? <laughs> Genesis 1.26. And if you're from Sparta, you just say yurt. And that just solves everything. Let us make man in our image after our likeness and let them, so you see man is plural, them, male and female. Let them have dominion. So the very first thing God says after making man in his image is they shall have dominion. This is the foundation of any success in life. This is the foundation of pleasing God. This is the foundation of pleasing your boss, your parents, your spouse. This is the foundation of living as a civil human being in civilization, in a cultured society. It is understanding dominion. And if you don't understand dominion, you'll go nowhere. And what makes children transition from babies to toddlers to children to preteens to teens and to adults is their growth in dominion. Now, when I explain this, you're going to realize you, you understood it and believed it all along. Intuitively, you just didn't understand it intellectually or, or perhaps uh, theoretically. But what makes children advance in society is their ability to understand limitations boundaries and the authorization they have. When a child is mentally handicapped or has had traumatic brain injury, we would say they, they are stuck in the childlike state because they're never able to advance. And what we're saying is they don't understand concepts. They're not under, able to groom themselves, care for themselves. They've, they've lost the understanding of authority and dominion. And that's unfortunate and it's tragic and we don't diminish that. But those of us who are blessed with regular IQs and we don't have learning disabilities and we're not mentally handicapped or whatever the politically correct term is that they'll change on us next month and whatever I say tonight will be considered rude and 
whatever. Uh, if they don't have it, they'll be stunted. We have it. We should not fail to grasp this concept. God says, give man dominion over the fish of the sea, over the fowl of the air, over the cattle, and over all the earth and every creeping thing that creepeth upon the earth. Verse 28, uh, verse 27. So God created man in his own image, and the image of God created he him. Male and female created he them. There's no transgenderism. There's no <laughs> poly. There's no pansexual, transsexual, whatever sexual they make up next. Fict fictosexual, which is the guy that married a robot. Petsexual, treesexual. And we're just making up stuff. We're bored, and it's cool. I mean, LGBT is cool right now. This is what the cool kids are doing. And if you want to be cool, it's not about the Nikes anymore. It's about your weird sexuality. So just make something up. Stick with it, and maybe you can rise to the cream of the crop in your class. And then reality will kick in, and the demon will kick in. I like what the philosophers are saying today. All this LGBT madness is nothing but a social contagion. At this point, it's just a social contagion. And most of the transsexuals now who are having trans regret are saying, you know what? I think it's almost 95% of the cases are saying, I was just diagnosed with autism. It's one of the most unprecedented parallels between transgenderism now is that most of them are on the autism spectrum. And now they're saying, why didn't my psychologist pay more attention to my autism diagnosis? Why did they push me towards hormone treatment? Well, because your shrink was a quack. We even have fun words for those guys, don't we? There's an agenda. No, male and female created he man. Mankind is male or female. You either stand up to pee or you sit down to pee. It's very simple. Gonads on the outside, gonads on the inside. Testes or ovaries. It's an any or an Audi. I mean, this is, there, there's your gender studies. No reason to go $400,000 in debt for a PhD you can't use anywhere but at the coffee bar. A couple years ago, we had a lady professor come visit us on a Sunday morning. And I was just, you know, meeting her. I said, where are you from? Indiana. Hey, I used to live in Indiana. Where from? Bloomington. Bloomington? Would you go to Indiana University? Yeah. Yeah, I've been. I said, I've been to Indiana University. I said, what are you here in town to do? And she said, well, I'm a, a new professor. I said, well, really? Of what? She said, I can't go into detail because she still may be in town. Anyway. I said, oh, she said, huh. oh, why not? We'll burn the bridge. <laughs> she said, I got my Ph.D. from the Kinsey Institute at uh, University of uh, Indiana, Bloomington. And I said, you mean that pervert that masturbated babies to study human sexuality in the 50s? That homosexual pervert? I don't think she knew I knew who Kinsey was. I know lots of things because my brain just doesn't forget stuff. She said, well, you know, he was misunderstood. I said, if he was alive today, the liberals would kill him. They'd beat him with a tire chain and set his corpse on fire. Well, needless to say, she never came back to our church. I didn't expect her to, but I wanted her to know I'm not tolerating that perversion in my church. I don't care how much you boast in your Ph.D. Your Ph.D. is from a demon-possessed pervert who molested children to study homosexuality. Kinsey. Anyway, male and female, pretty simple. Even the dogs get it. 
Reality check. That's what we're calling this series. Feels like a good wake-up call. <laughs> Verse 28. And God blessed them, and God said to them, Be fruitful and multiply, replenish the earth, and subdue it. Here's that dominion and authority. Subdue it. That means to a force, to keep under. That's authority. And have dominion. That's authority too. Dominion over the fish of the sea, over the fowl of the air, over every creeping thing or living thing that moveth upon the earth. So we see from the very beginning, man, male and female, was given authority. This is the first thing God says about man other than he's made in my image. Man, that's us. We've been authorized. We've been given dominion and authority. This is what is key to being a man. Amen. And being a woman for that sake, we're not trying to diminish. We'll cover women more in, in, uh, in detail in a few weeks. But I want you to understand this is the foundation. Authority doesn't have to be bossy, rude, arrogant, or gruff. These are typically just indica- indicative of insecure people. In- indicative of insecure people who stand to pee. That's all that means. When you're rude and bossy, you're not a man. You just stand to pee and you're really insecure. Grow facial hair and stand to pee. Yay, you. Not hard to do. Authority, though, is given for several reasons, and this is what we have to hone in on because maybe you weren't taught this growing up. These are simple truths, but maybe they have to be communicated to us verbally so we can say, yeah, I get that. That makes sense. Because when you can see it, you can apply it to your own life and teach it to your kids. But authority is given to bring peace. Authority is given to bring order. Authority is given to bring clarity. Authority is given to set things in organization and structure. That's why we're authorized. If you stop to think about any authority at any level of life, it always comes to bring peace, harmony, structure, advancement, progress. The teacher has authority over the classroom. Her authorization is to keep harmony, peace, and to educate. It isn't just to bring peace, but it's to bring peace to advance a cause called education, not woke indoctrination. The police officer has a badge and a pistol to bring peace. He's called a peace officer. He's called a law enforcement officer. He's a peacekeeper. His authorization is to bring peace and organization and structure to advance a harmonious society and community. Same with a man. He has been given authority by God to bring peace everywhere he goes, to advance the kingdom of God. He's been bringing authority to accomplish and organize whatever he's been put over. Psalm 8 is another verse. It says, What is man that thou art mindful of him, though the son of man? Uh, what is man, the son of man that thou art mindful of him? You've made him a little lower than the angels. You've placed all things under his feet, all created things under his feet. It's another verse of authority. We've been given this authorization to enforce the kingdom of God. Then there's other levels of authority. You get a job and your boss gives you authorization. You are authorized to price check the bread aisle. That's your authorization. So you better get to price checking. You bring prices, peace, harmony, and you advance the cause of selling bread. That's what you're authorized to do. Authority brings structure, and it's given to fulfill the will of God. Matthew 8, the centurion, says this. He says, only speak the word, Lord, for I am a man under authority. And I say to this man, go, and he goes, and to this man, come, and he comes, and that one, do this, and he doeth it. Just speak the word, because that's how authority works. Where did the centurion get it from? He got it from the senator. The senator got it from Caesar. Where did Caesar get it from? He was just the ruler of the world. It was his authority to give. 
But that centurion understood how authority worked, and Jesus, it says he marveled at that faith. So part of authorization, part of authority and dominion is a demonstration of faith. This is why, ladies, you don't go for men who don't understand authorization because they're not operating in much faith at all. We're talking about what it means to be a man. If you weren't taught this, you have to learn it now. Any drop, and by drop I mean just any drop of authority is given to you to bring about peace and accomplish a bigger picture. And authority is a stewardship, which means you will be judged for what you did or did not accomplish with that authority. Anything given to us by God will be judged for. Anything given to us by God to do something with as a stewardship, God will judge us and either give us more or take it away from us. You know the parables where it says, take from him that has little and give it to him that has much, which causes the socialists and the woke crowd to blow their gasket because that's anti-socialism. It works for authority too. Like, for example, Pastor Caleb, we set him over Abundant Grace Church. He and Miss Tiffany were the obvious choice. We authorized them. That, that church, Miss Sandra was running the church. She called us up a year ago and said, we need a pastor. We, our church is in dire needs. Would you be willing to take us on and help us? I said, absolutely. I have just the couple. We're going to walk this out. So they basically handed me the authority. I become, in a sense, a bishop over their church. And then we set in the Andrews and we delegated that authority to them. Now, on paper, I'm the president of the church, so I'm held legally responsible. It's the same in the spirit realm. If Pastor Caleb and Miss Tiffany ever fail, that authority will be taken from them and given to somebody else. Same with me. If I ever fail here, our, our bylaws are set up that I can be removed. My pastor, Dr. Barkley, can step in, uh, name a replacement, let the board of elders or the board of directors do something, but I'm not a dictator here. If I fail with this authority that God's given to me for this church, it'll be taken from me and given to another. But this authority is limited. My authority is only over engrafted word church and abundant grace church. But even with that, I relegate all of it to the Andrews because that's my vision is to let them have that thing as they grow into it. I don't have any authority over First Baptist. I don't have any authority over Stephen Street. I don't have authority over the Scudder family ministry. That's their thing. I just pastor them. If I'm not a good steward over my authority and if I don't use it to accomplish the will of God, I will be corrected. I will be instructed. I'll be rebuked and then I will be removed. Same with any ounce of authority in your own life. It's why you get fired. Because you misappropriate or neglect authority. Men become men by mastering authority at every stage of life. Authority is a stewardship we'll be judged by God for, depending on how we use it. We are given the measure we need to accomplish the will of God at each stage of life. Pastor Vaughn our founding pastor who's in heaven now, he once said to me, maybe he said it to some of you who knew him well, he said, I, I became pastor at, I think he said 24. He said, I don't think any man has any business pastoring at 24 years old. He had that much authority at 24. Typically, you have as much authority as God trusts you with. That doesn't mean some boss might not hire you, not have a clue what he's doing and give you authority you shouldn't have. I do think it's pretty crazy that our military operations are run by 19-year-olds. I mean, the U.S. military is 19- and 20-year-old boys who've grown up on uh, Call of Duty, and you give them shoulder rockets, 
and artillery and they get to roll around in tanks and do fun stuff like that. That's pretty cool. You just want to point them in the right direction. I'm not sure a 19-year-old needs to have a tank under his disposal, but that's what happens. And I'm sure out there in Tikrit and other places in the Middle East when nobody's looking and that 20-year-old captain says, see what this will do to that goat. Because I've actually seen some of those bootleg videos that weren't ever supposed to get out. And I've seen what 20-year-olds do when nobody's looking with extra rocket launchers. <laughs> yeah. We'll be judged, but we've been given the measure we need to accomplish the will of God at every stage of life. So what that means is wherever you're at tonight, you have as much authority as you need to master it. And don't worry about something you don't have till you master what you do have. This is called growing up. Don't worry about having faith to run a Fortune 500 company when you still can't show up on time for your boss. First, master the time clock. You've been authorized to come in Monday, Wednesday, Friday. You're not authorized to show up Tuesday, Thursday. If you show up Tuesday, Thursday, your boss is going to say, what are you doing here? You're not supposed to be here. You don't have permission to be there. Go home. You've been authorized to show up Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. So you show up Monday, Wednesday, Friday. You show up early and you master Monday, Wednesday, Friday. Your boss will give you Tuesday and Thursday as well. And then he may put you over stuff. You have been given as much authorization as God can trust you with. And yet it's also a stretch because you could fail him and he have to remove it from you. Men don't just have beards and yell and beat their chest and have a voracious sex drive. Men know how to use authority. That's what makes them men. We understand this truth intuitively. We may not just have ever heard it taught. Little children begin practicing their dominion at about year one. After identifying mom and dad, mama, dada, mama, dada, what's their next word? No. It's funny, but it's the absolute spiritual truth because they've heard that a thousand times a day from mama and dada. And what's mama and dada doing but exercising their dominion to help that child live? No, we don't touch that. So the child begins to flex this faith muscle of dominion and they have to be taught when to say no and when not to say no. But you see Sometimes 10 months, 11 months, they're flexing dominion. And they'll start playing with their baby dolls. No, no. They have a family pet. No, Charlie. No, Charlie. They're, they're exercising dominion. And then it becomes mom and dad's responsibility to teach them how far their dominion extends, what not to use it on. You, you good parents say, you never tell mom no. I am your mother. You don't tell me no. Why don't we try that again? Yes, mommy, I'm sorry. That sounds better. Ask it a different way. Mommy, please I? Exactly, because you have no dominion over me, sweetie. Parents make a mistake when they give their kids more choices than the federal government gives you. Let me speak very frankly. My wife and I watched some of you parents ruin your kids by giving them choices they have no business being afforded. You don't give them a choice. You limit it. I'm all for freedom, but freedom also makes for a stupid society like the U.S. of A. today. You can't trust carnal people with freedom. 
and your children are carnal. They're not spiritual. They're carnal. They're tossed and driven of their whims and their emotions because they're children. I didn't say they're sinful. They're just carnal. So for me, God trusts me to this degree. When I come into a place, a church to preach or a missionary assignment, I want everybody in authority to tell me what they want me to do. Do not give me options. Where are we eating, missionary? Where are we eating, pastor? What would you like, pastor? Well, I'm good for anything. I just don't do mushrooms. Other than that, you like Mexican? Sure. You like Chinese? Sure. What would you like me to preach on? Be led by the Holy Spirit. I don't want to be led by the Holy Spirit. I want to be led by you. This is your church. You tell me what you want. I'll operate better. You give me what you don't want. You give me what you want. I'll get with the Holy Ghost. We'll hit something out of the park for you. I don't want choices. I watch what you do with your kids with choices. Ruin them. And I'm serious. They grow up prematurely thinking they're trustworthy, and that's deception. (laughs) The government barely trusts your kid at 18. You trust them at 10 because your kid's special. Yeah, they are. (laughs) Got quiet on me. Mom and dad must begin to shape the child's perimeters and boundaries. As the child grows, their delegated authority, which comes from their parents, expands. And they begin to have authority over their room. And you expect them to use that authority to clean it. You don't let your kids pick their clothing. You don't let your kids pick their food. You don't let your kids pick what they watch. Because you can't trust them. You can't negotiate with a two-year-old. I don't know if you know this, but the U.S. government doesn't make ambassadors out of two-year-olds. Because no sane human being negotiates with a two-year-old except for an incompetent mother. We don't negotiate with two-year-olds. I'm the parent. You do what I tell you. Why? Because. Why? Because. Why? Because. Why? Because. Why? I can say because more than you can say why, kid. Because. Why? Because. Why? just easier just to give them what they want, huh? So you give them what they want and you teach them how to destroy their life. And you're not teaching them how to, how to use delegated authority. Their whole life as a child growing up into adulthood will succeed upon their ability to submit to the authority over them and then to use the authority delegated to them. And if we just keep giving them every choice and option, and you choose, you choose, you choose, you're going to ruin your kids. Too many choices just breeds confusion. My wife will tell me, honey, just tell me what to do. I'll, I can do anything you tell me what to do. Just tell me what to do. She's never once cried. You're just sort of controlling. You're a misogynistic jerk. She, just tell me what to do. I can do what you tell me to do. When you understand how authority works, you're not begging for rights. You just want to hit the bullseye. I mean, when you're begging for your rights, you're asking, can the bullseye be over there? Can the bullseye be over there? No. When you understand how the bullseye works, just show me the smallest part you want me to hit, and I will hit it. Everybody in this nation begging for the rights, and we give them to you. And what do you do? You go marry a dog and turn yourself into a pygmy ninja midget. (laughs) Dress up like a unicorn, call yourself a furry, and identify as a pedophile. That's what happens when you give Americans freedom. And hashtag it. Yay you think you're some kind of special person who needs special human rights. We let you live and breathe. That's human enough. The way you're acting is not human, so I don't know if you get special rights. (laughs) You are limiting your 
career to a weird bookstore or a coffee shop. That's about all you're going to get to do because nobody wants a furry check in their eyes at the ortho, uh, eye doctor, whatever, optometrist. Like, what that? Ortho, no, that's feet. Opto, that sounds right. Optometrist. Yeah, I'm still stuck on the unicorn furry. You know what furries are? Let me just reality check. Furries are your college kids who dress up like animals before they have sex. Are you woke yet? Because it ain't just about black rights. It's about freak shows. We have them at tech. We have them at Christian colleges in this nation. Why are you so quiet? I'm trying to make men out of you. Some of those kids, their dad needs to be hunted down and beat. A lot of those kids didn't have a dad, and that's the problem. As the child grows, their delegated authority expands. They learn authority from their parents. They learn authority first over their pee-pee. They learn how to keep their pee-pees in the potty. And they learn authority over their body. Authority begins with you. And you start to tell them, no, 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 we don't cry about that. Don't you talk to me that way. They throw a little temper tantrum. You pop that hand because you teach them authority over their emotions when they're a year old. And then you don't give them options to what they eat because they'll turn out to be little fat dumplings like off of Willy Wonka. They'll get sucked up and turn purple in that big... Some of you, that's your kid. Because you let them always choose the sugar content and the mac and cheese. But no, disciplined parents teach children how to use authority over their body to control their pee-pee, then to control their poo-poo, then, then how to clean up after themselves and how to blow their nose and how to brush their teeth. Authority begins with me, myself, and I, and my thoughts and my emotions and my body. That starts about 10 months to one year. And if, it's, if you stick with your child, especially your boys, but women too, this kind of discipleship never stops. It just gets larger in its scope and heavier in its weight and deeper in its influence. If you stop discipling your children in their dominion when they turn 10, you have failed. Because that's when hormones start to kick in in some kids. And now you got to teach them how to control their emotions with hormones and teach them to control their appetites when lust kicks in. If you don't do that, what are you doing? You're just bringing home food and letting them watch DVDs, Netflix or Disney Plus? I mean, what kind of parent is that? Just Barney all over again, except it's video on demand. We teach our children dominion and authority. And when you do, your kids don't end up squirrely, crazy, or overweight, addicted to video games or Instagram, or emotionally insecure, falling out of orbit every time someone looks at them wrong. They learn authority over their pee-pee. Then they learn their authority over their food. Because remember when they spit it out, you pop their hand, they learn to keep that food in their mouth. And even though you want them to learn physics, every time they knock something off... It's funny once, then the physics lesson stops. You know how it is. I have three kids. They throw it off and they're like. <laughs> and you say, you do it again, I'm going to wear that bum out. And they look at you and then goes the whole plate of food the other way against the wall. 
So they learn authority over their food and we don't throw it on the floor because when I do, it hurts my leg. And I don't spit it out because then it hurts my leg. They learn authority over their food, their room. They learn authority over their newborn sibling. You take care of that baby. You don't pop him. You don't pull on his hair like you do the dog. They have to be taught their authority and their dominion over the new baby. They learn authority over the family dog. And then as they grow, they learn authority over their toys. They take care of them. They put their clothes away. There's no reason why a four-year-old can't have a clean room every night. Because you teach them. There's really no reason why a three-year-old, if you were disciplined enough to disciple them, would not have a clean room every night. But then again, does mom and dad's room stay cleaned up? Talking about making men out of boys. We must also include their instructions, uh, in their instructions, authority over their emotions. Dry that up. Mama did that to us. Dry that up. Boy, dry it up or I'll give you something to cry about. We've all heard that. So you're not just teaching them authority and dominion over their body and over food and toys, but over their emotions. By the way, all this works still for you today. You can learn authority over the spoon and Ben and Jerry's. It's good to have dominion over Ben and Jerry's. It's good to have dominion over Snickers and Kit Kat. It's good to have authority over your emotions and your mind and your hurt feelings and your paranoia and your schizophrenia and your conspiracy theory. It's good to have authority over YouTube and video games. It's good to have authority over these things. Just because we were teaching it about children now doesn't mean you don't keep applying it to you. If you and I had had this teaching when we were five and six, we wouldn't need this discipleship today. The shame of it is maybe we have it, but we didn't give it to our kids. So what are we giving our kids? We're giving our kids a horrible uphill row. Shame on us parents for just taking the easier route. We wanted the kid. We just didn't want to raise them. We must include instruction of authority over emotions, authority over appetites, authority over fear. They have authority over demons. You tell them to cast down those thoughts and cast down those fears. You tell them, get out of here, devil, in Jesus' name. And you don't let your kids watch scary movies. And you don't watch scary movies yourself. Why would you choose to watch in your home that which is inspired of demons and then don't think that demon is not going to come in and visit your kid on the way out even though the kid's asleep. What you open your home to, your kids get in excess. Just because you're watching it real secret on your phone doesn't mean that demon isn't in there talking to your daughter. Doesn't mean that spirit isn't ministering to your boy. Don't be dumb. If you're watching it, that devil knows you're watching it. He hears it. Even through AirPods. Just because your wife can't hear you watching porn, you perv. <laughs> Just because your wife can't hear you watching porn doesn't mean the demon realm can't. Years ago when I was in Poland, we evangelized this young Satan worshiper named Petra. That's Peter in Latin. And Petra was a Satanist. And he told us stories about being in the Satanic church there in Poland when we actually met him at this outdoor Christian concert, he was real nervous because um, he had kind of run away from the satanic church because they had just sacrificed a baby the previous week. And that really shook him up. He wanted to play with Satan. He just didn't know if he was up for murdering babies. It's demonic when you murder babies. The Democrats are demonic for their push for abortion. 
the Republicans are demonic for using the fetal tissue on the back end of their investments. So just so you know, they're both demonic. But one of the things Petra told us, he told us a lot of stories, and I learned a lot about the demon realm from this kid who was playing with it. He had this shirt on. He actually had two shirts on from this demonic American band I wasn't familiar with. But the one that caught my attention, he took the shirt off, and they had another one on under it. But it had this picture of Jesus, and he was in agony, and they had all these nails driven into the top of his head. It was a satanic shirt mocking Jesus. The other shirt, that was a sweatshirt. The other shirt had Jesus crucified upside down with his guts pulled out. And this was the shirt for a demonic American band. But Petra told us that he would listen to these American bands on tape, this, this, this demonic, satanic worship music, not worship, but rock music. It was in English, so we didn't understand it. And he would listen to it with headphones on so his mother couldn't hear it. But he told us, without realizing what he's saying, he said, I'd put those headphones on. I didn't understand what they were saying, but I would feel demons come in and out of me. He knew what they were. He said, I'd turn that music on, and he said, it's like they could hear what I was listening to, though I had headphones over my head. And as soon as I'd start to play it, they'd come find me, and they'd sit in me and pass in and out of me, make my heart rate race and mess with me. And I thought, why would you do this dumb stuff? I learned a lot, though, and we, we got Petra. We prayed with him to receive Christ that night. We got him some new shirts from the rest of the mission team so we could get rid of all those demonic shirts. I have a picture of them uh, somewhere in my photo collection. But just because your wife can't hear you watching porn doesn't mean the demon realm doesn't. doesn't mean you're getting that spirit of pornos on your kids. So just wait till your daughter starts sleeping around at 13 and 14. That'll be your fault, Dad, because you're a pervert, Dad. You're not a man. You're a pervert, and what you do with your wife is not making love. It's called masturbation. We might as well buy you a blow-up doll. At least your wife will get some rest. It's good preaching, isn't it? That's a Wednesday night hoorah. Reality check. Talking about furries and dads masturbating in their wives because it's not making love. Don't mean to be crass, just want to be real because you're a pervert. You can go church hop if you want to. I'll think you're a coward. You can go pastor shop if you want, but that just makes you a coward. Amen. And if this isn't your problem, you're rejoicing, saying, thank God I'm not that tired of night. <laughs> Amen. Yeah. God established this pattern we teach our children to learn authority over everything. These authorities will only grow as the child does. As the child grows, you trust them with more authority in the home. You trust them to help start making breakfast. You trust them to do their own laundry. You trust them to go to the mailbox and come back. Unfortunately, sometimes we have to limit the authority because our society is so crazy. We do have to watch our children but we want to grow them up as we can. We start to use them around the church and the teacher begins to use them in the classroom. You can't do that with a one-year-old or a two-year-old. Sometimes you can't even do it with a 15-year-old because they haven't been parented yet. But it only grows. And so part of being a man is learning to figure out what your dominion is. What is the measure of your authority? And then maximizing it. What am I permitted to do? What am I not permitted to do? Where does my domain stop? And what am I supposed to do with my authorization? Because if my boss is expecting this with my authorization, I better get this done. If I don't get this done, he'll warn me, then he'll rebuke me, then he'll fire me, and he'll give that authorization to a better worker. If the teacher trusts me to help make copies, I better make those copies or she won't or he won't ever use me again. Part of being a man is understanding dominion and authority and recognizing it everywhere you go.
if you fail, if that just becomes just a, a, a non-existence, a, a, a big zero in your life, you'll never go anywhere and we won't be able to trust you as a man. Men are to understand authorization and domain. Domain is the scope, the perimeter, and authorization is what you're permitted to do there. And every one of us, men and women, we have a domain and we have an authorization in that domain. As a pastor, I have a spiritual domain, which is the Upper Cumberland. I don't have a civil domain. I have a civil domain when the mayor invites me to come open city council in prayer, which he does about once every month or two. And I'm honored to go in there. And my domain and my authorization lasts about two minutes as I lead the city council, the council members and all those present in a simple prayer for the blessing and the wisdom of God over our city. That's the extent of my civil domain and my civil authorization. I have a spiritual domain. It's our region. I intercede for our region. We want to win our region. But that, that, that domain does not extend to the church across the street or the church in Swanee or the church up in Livingston. That's beyond my domain. This church is my domain, and I know my authorization. It's to preach, it's to teach, it's to make disciples. I don't go home and get in your business. That's not my domain. That's not my authorization. But if you bring your business here, you bring it into my domain, and you bring it into my authorization, and I will clean your clock, you little pervert who keeps masturbating in your wife. You picking up what I'm laying down? I'd hope you repent. Amen. I love your children more than you do. Plus, I don't want to have to get them delivered from lust. And I don't want teenage pregnancies in this church. So men, because they have this aggressive nature in them, they have to be taught dominion. That means restraint. They have to be taught what they're authorized to do. A couple year or two ago, some neighbors moved in down the street. They had like five boys. And the day they moved in, those boys were on my back deck, three houses down, playing in my pool. It's a little blow-up pool. It's not like I got this big pool. And I went... Those boys don't know their domain and they don't know their authorization. And the mama's got a newborn baby on the hip. They got a kid they've adopted. They got boys, just boys, no girls at all, just all boys. And mom and dad look exhausted. And they're looking at you like, what have we done? What have we done? What have we done? Try wearing flannels. It'll calm things down. But what have we done? But those kids don't know their domain or their authorization because the day they move into that house, they're in our backyard. They're throwing our rocks. They're playing with our kids' toys. They don't even know who we are. And it was funny because the next week a fence went up, not our yard. I'm not paying for that. They're paying for that. Fence went up in their yard. And now they just kind of, I think they're going to dig a hole. I think they'll escape. They'll be back in my pool once we blow it up. (laughs) You got to teach men their domain, their authorization, because that's what begins to make you a man. Ladies, that's what you want to be drawn to a man who knows his limitations and his authorizations. If he knows that when he marries you, that you fall under his domain and his authorization, he will take care of you because he's going to answer, answer to God if he doesn't. But if he doesn't know how to f- please his boss, if he doesn't know how to serve the church, if he doesn't know how to even take care of himself, he will not take care of you. Amen. Leave that guy alone no matter how much attention he gives you. Amen. He's probably just giving you attention because mama's at work today. Maybe tonight's service is called Whack-A-Dude. We just keep... (laughs) (laughs) God established this pattern with his first child, Adam. Genesis chapter 2. He makes Adam. And though we all envision Adam to be an adult, maybe 18, maybe 20, we all envision him as a young, healthy, vigorous man... He's still a child. Nothing's existed before. 
maybe by a few days, but man's not existed. And so everything is with wide-eyed wonder. It's like a child. I believe he could communicate with God. I, you know, I believe he was hairy. I believe he had a beard. We know he goes on to have a baby, so we know he's sexually mature, but he's still a child. And what does God do? Verse 15, Genesis 2, 15. And the Lord God took the man, Adam, and put him into the Garden of Eden to dress it and to keep it. So here we see a dominion, the garden, which is an enclosure. And we see an authorization to dress it and to keep it. And we see what it takes to grow up as a man. Know the domain God has given you in every stage of life and know the authorization that comes there. When I worked at Lowe's, when I started, I was in Inside Lawn and Garden, and you're just learning, what does that mean? What am I responsible for? What's my domain? My domain's Inside Lawn and Garden. Well, what's out those doors? That's Outside Lawn and Garden. Is that us? That's not us. That's them. What's them? That's Outside Lawn and Garden. What are we? Inside Lawn and Garden. So after like half a day, you learn, this is my domain. Does it go to aisle seven? Nope, that's plumbing. You stay on this side of aisle six. Okay, what about over there? Nope, that's lighting. You stay over here. What's on that face rack? That's lighting. We're just here. We're just here. Bird food, bird food. Weed eaters, weed eaters. You learn your domain. Okay, what can I do here? Don't do anything right now. You're just going to mess it up. You're asking too many questions. <laughs> Fair enough. I want to know my domain. I want to know what I can do. And so you start to grow in your authorization. And then, then you start realizing, you know what? I can do this with both my arms and a leg and half a brain tied behind my back. Let me go start helping in plumbing. Let me allow my domain to creep and let me help them and let me figure out what I can do. And then you get to know the other departments and you get to learn what else is out there in the store because you're going to have a customer ask you, where can I find light bulbs or where can I find widgets? Well, it's in the widget aisle. You got to know where that is. If you're going to be a man, you got to know your domain everywhere you go and you got to know your authorization. If you don't get these two concepts, you will fail life as a man. You will be able to stand and pee. You'll have external gonads. You'll grow a beard, but you will not be much of a man. This has to be taught from the time our children are little, and it grows as they grow, and it expands as they expand. And as you, as you teach them to be faithful, you'll trust them with more. And then the, the Sunday school teacher or the worship leader or the school teacher or the coach will see greatness in your kid that you harvested, and they'll want to bring them alongside them. And they'll say, I want to tell you, you have a great kid. They're a tremendous help in my class. They're a tremendous help on my team. Or I, when your kid turns 15, I want to hire them. This is what we want to be hearing. Now, listen, not to diminish our region or our state of our nation, but don't get real excited if the world wants to hire them because it's slim pickings right now. Honestly, if your kid has a pulse, they want to hire them. What you need to look for is, is the church going to promote them? Because we're the ones that preach the standard. The church won't promote your kids. You failed. Because we're looking to promote everybody that we can because we need all hands on deck. But if we can't promote your kids, they don't represent our standard yet. And why, why don't they? You, you have our standard, don't you? Why don't you give it to your kids? Where'd you fail? Were you too lazy? Sleep in late? Get up early? What, what's the deal? God established this with his son, Adam, the child. We should say child. He was authorized to dress and to keep. The domain was the garden. We know the garden had a perimeter because he was eventually kicked out of it and an angel guarded the entrance to it. But that was his domain. His domain was not the whole world. It was a garden. We don't even know how big that enclosure was. Was it a, a hundred acres? Was it a thousand acres? Was it like Yellowstone? Was it, was it the size of the Middle East? Was it the whole Fertile Crescent, that area? We don't know. But it was an enclosure. 
But we also see when you fail in your authorization over your dominion, you get demoted. He was authorized to keep, guard, and tend the garden. And this was a prophetic warning that something's coming. He said you have dominion over every creeping thing because a creeping thing's coming. And he did not use his authorization. This comes back to our doctrinal baseline that authority and authorization comes to bring peace, to enforce what God has preordained. And if you don't enforce it, you're not using authorization properly. And so because man refused to use the authority God gave him to keep the garden, he was kicked out. He was demoted. It brought in original sin. That's how severe this thing is. This is why it's so critical we understand the concept of dominion and authority as men. Because when you start to fall in love with that girl, men, if you marry her and she's brave enough to say, I will, she becomes under your dominion. She falls under your domain. And you've been authorized by God to lead her. And you've been authorized by God to care for her. And you've been authorized by God to protect her. And you've been authorized by God to intercede for her. And you've been authorized by God to, to help her. You've been authorized by God. But if you treat her like you did your mama's basement, and if you're expecting this wife to be another mama to you, you're going to be demoted from that marriage. It's going to be called divorce. And probably if she has a good pastor, she, he's going to tell her, don't marry this guy. Now, I'm in this stage now as a father. I'm looking at my daughters and I'm looking at my son. And I honestly, I judge you guys when you start falling in love. Would I want my daughters to marry the guy you like? Should they be old enough? Or would I want my son to marry the girl you like? Should my son be old enough? And that's how I judge things now, honestly. I figure, why not raise the standard for you? Hey, if you don't have a standard, I do. You can borrow mine. It'll probably be a little higher, but you can't go wrong with a high standard. I mean, do you want a Yugoslavian-made car or a Japanese-made car? Okay, do you, do you know what Yugoslavia was? I forgot we're dealing with Zoomers who were public schooled in the last 10 years. And now it's Bosnia, Herzegovina, Yugoslavia, right there in the Baltics. They used to make a car called a Yugo. It's really small. If even a, an Olympic gymnast who weighed 80 pounds sat in it, it would lean. <laughs> and she'd have to pedal it a little bit to help the two-cylinder engine. <laughs> if you don't have a standard, we have one around here. You can borrow ours. It will benefit you. You just don't get what you want overnight. Amen. It will help you in the long run. Adam was to learn dominion and authority. Without a domain and subject, you cannot practice dominion or authority. This comes back to us as pa uh, parents now. We need to start teaching our children and making them cognizant of their domain. And you do that. You say, stay in our yard. Don't go in their yard. Don't touch it. That's not your toy. Get out of your sister's room. We're teaching this. We didn't even realize it. We're intuitively teaching them dominion and authorization. Don't touch that. You don't have permission to touch it. Did you ask your sister? Did you ask your brother? Did you ask me? We tell our kids, you live in Permissionville. You live in Permission Land. We also tell our kids, you're in charge of two things. They all know the answer, Jack and Squat. And Squat just left town. And as the kids have gotten older, they've gotten smart. No, well, I'm in charge of breathing. Not if I don't give you permission, you're not. <laughs> well, I'm in charge of going to the bathroom. Not unless you ask me first. But they know, 
<laughs> they're in charge of two things, Jack and Squat. Squat just left town, which means they're in charge of Jack, which means not much. Because I'm teaching them their authorization, which is heavily borrowed right now. They know they're not in charge of your kids. They know they don't speak to any adult like they do each other. And they get in trouble for talking to each other the way they do. So we're teaching them dominion and authority. It's called manners. Some of you are failing because your kids say, yeah, and what, and hey, you. And they have no idea they're not authorized to talk to adults the way you permit them to. It's a disgrace. They're children. They can't even make their bed or their dinner. And they're going to treat me like I'm their equal. I helped your parents believe you into existence. Show some respect. <laughs> You're going to want me to pray you out of this church one day. Just pray it's not tomorrow, you eighth grader. <laughs> yeah. Without a domain and a subject, you can't practice dominion or authority. This is why it's so critical that when you get that first job, you do your best. You, you be the best French fryer. You be the best linesman, line cook. You be the best um, bird feed stalker. You be the best hole digger. Whatever they've given you to do, that's your domain. You're authorized to do it. Master it. And watch. You just watch. It's spiritual law. God will expand your domain. You won't just be over that line at the factory. You'll get to be over the next line. Or you'll go in there and you're just at step one on the line. The boss will see potential because you've learned your domain and your authority. He'll make you over. He'll move you to step two. And then he'll move you to step three. And before long, he sees you've mastered the whole line. He'll put you over that line. And then he'll put you over the whole, both sides of the line. I, you know, every factory works differently. This is why you have to master every place you are in life. Master being a teacher's assistant. Master being, uh, you know, the coach's assistant. Master being the water boy. Because these are domains that come with authority. Because being a man means you know what you're authorized to do and what it's supposed to accomplish because that's why God gives you the authority, whether it's through your boss, whether it's authorization through your pastor, authorization through your parents, authorization through your teacher. You're being tested with the authorities of God. Amen. Amen. Don't, waste, don't waste it. Don't misuse it. Wrapping it up here. Little boys are to begin to learn dominion and authority at home under a father, balanced by the nurturing grace of a mother. You know, little boys get hurt, and mamas are just brokenhearted. They whisk that boy up, and dad says, I'll brush it off, boy. You're fine. And we'll go get some stitches. You'll be fine. But my boy's bleeding. Yes, it's fine. He's made of blood. He's got plenty left in there. Just hold it together. We'll get it to the emergency room. <laughs> boy, dads can be a little tough sometimes, but yeah, that's what they need. Because they're going to grow up to be men that have to lead. They don't want to be Barak's cowards that require a wet nurse to go with them to war. Getting a second-class destiny with all the authority and the fame going to a woman who took a hammer to the enemy general's head. She wasn't ashamed. She saw sister. She said, hey, come into my tent. Barak's been a coward for who knows how long. And here's this woman all home alone by herself in her tent. Here comes this mighty warrior Come into my tent, Sisera. I have some milk, some yogurt, and a hammer. What did you say? I said, have all you want. Or maybe I said hummus. I don't know. Just come on in. We'll see what we got for you. <laughs> Fatherlessness destroys the next generation of men because boys grow unchecked, untrained, and undisciplined. Fatherlessness will destroy any culture it infests. 
Because those boys grow up without any oversight, without any pruning, without any direction. Dads are a trellis to the soul of those boys. And those boys grow up to be just like dad. And if there isn't a dad, mama's not designed to bear all that weight. When all there is is mama, she loves them, she'll give her life for them, but she doesn't have it. There has to be a man put in their life to help those boys become men. Any culture, any generation defined by fatherlessness will corrupt itself and murder itself. And those boys begin to seek out gangs. They begin to seek out violence. They begin to prove themselves because they never had a dad that said, good job, boy, or come on, boy, dust it off. Come on with me, boy. It's time to learn something else. Come on, because that boy just wants, he just wants to hang out with his dad. He just wants to be just like his dad. What if there is no dad? The boy will grow up to be an insecure man with big muscles and a violent tendency. And he'll try to show off his masculinity, which he has none, by taking it out on other men. And you have murder rates through the roof all over the world wherever fatherlessness pervades a culture. It's wicked. It's demonic. The last prophecy of the Old Testament says, let the fathers turn their hearts back to their sons and let the sons turn their hearts back to the father, lest I bring a curse upon the land. Any culture defined by fatherlessness is cursed of God. You understand our socioeconomic issues and our subculture of this nation? Fatherlessness pervades almost every part of our culture but the Hispanics. They still have a very strong family. But now we have even our professors and our woke clientele telling us that you don't need a dad. You can have two moms. Hey, just adopt as many kids as you want. I don't think any single person has any business adopting a child. I understand there's a lot of kids that need to be adopted, but hear me, in the light of what we're saying, boys need a dad. Boys need a dad. So if your heart swells for children, I understand an orphanage is not ideal at all. Foster care is less than ideal. But I don't think a single person needs to be adopting a whole bunch of kids when you can't even provide what they need according to the blueprint of God. I know it's better than nothing, but why settle for less than best when we can aim for the best? Fatherlessness destroys the next generation of men because boys grow up unchecked, untrained, and undisciplined. Mama does the best she can, but those men don't have the courage they need, the confidence they need. They don't know the dominion. They don't know the authority. They don't know how to treat a woman. They don't know how to treat other men. They don't know how to relate. We're talking about the reality check of what it takes to be a man. Now, we've swatted a lot of things, but the good news is the Word of God and prayer and discipleship can repair anything that was maybe robbed of us from our childhood, maybe neglected, maybe, uh, maybe withheld from us. Maybe dad wasn't the best. He was in our life, but not much. Reparative discipleship can fix that. We can fix it. The Word of God can fix anything. But I want to also hit our new generation strong as we can. Because when we got teenagers today confused about what to do with their bits, somebody didn't parent that kid. <laughs> you know, dad tells his boy, boy, quit playing with that thing. Put, stop it. We're in public. Get your hand out of your pocket. Why are you pulling on that thing? Are you nervous? No, then stop touching it. That's what a dad does. And there's confidence. Yes, sir, daddy. Yes, daddy. He wants to please his dad. When there is no dad, what's mama do? 
she embarrassed to tell him, quit playing with that thing. Little boys don't know. They don't know what it's for. There's just something else to pull on. She just don't want them doing that in public. Stop it. <laughs> they need men in their life. So we're going to continue to teach. I had a whole bunch of stuff. I had 10 things the Bible says about men, but I, didn't, I knew we wouldn't get there. All of them are rooted in your understanding of dominion and authority. You can't have a walk with God without understanding dominion and authority. You can't lead a, lot, a wife without dominion and authority. You can't harness your body without dominion and authority. All the things the Bible says are based upon this foundation we see in Genesis about dominion and authority. So you can start today, wherever God has you, this is the dominion he trusts you with. If you're at home unemployed, that's not a good sign. It means he doesn't trust you with much. So get out there, get a job, find a place to begin to practice dominion and authorization. And start wherever you're at, master it. Master that battlefield, master that factory, master that classroom, master that new job, master that new apartment, master it. Figure out who the next step is. Go talk to them. And the fun thing about faith is that it's always looking for more domain and more authority. And you ask your Lord, Lord, help me. Give me the grace and the, the spirit of God to master this domain, these boundaries and the authorization. Let me know what I can do here. Because if you don't do it, it won't get done. And God will find somebody who will do it. You will be replaced. God replaces people all the time. You'll just be replaced with a calling on your life. Like Barak. Amen?